1: What is going on, excuse me, my goodness, that's a great way to start an episode. What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Thursday so Matt here is with me. We're going to be talking about the NFC North. We're going to finish it up talking about the Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions. I don't know why that was struggling to come to me there for those last two teams. If you're watching live, you guys can now see that is going to be our new logo right there. We we spent a lot of time on that. We're very appreciative uh, to Rob. Let me get his... Twitter thing here really quick because I forgot what it is at Rob, Rob graphics. He he's done all of our stuff. Honestly, Uh, dude does a great job. Uh, This is going to be our new logo moving forward as we've got some other new changes coming as well. So, Really excited about this. We've actually got it done up. And literally, he did every single team's colors, all 32 teams. Now, it's a little bit harder to obviously fit all those on the screen. Matt and myself are covering up a bunch of them as well if you're watching live. But it's definitely cool. We're excited about that and some of the other new branding stuff coming forward. But, oh, and of course, we cannot forget the big main part here. We will be talking about Loki Episode 5 as I was able to watch it today. So we are all caught up. We'll be able to talk two episodes, right? Four and five. So we did not talk four last week. So we'll talk four and five at the end of this episode. I will give everybody clear time to exit said podcast, or if you're watching live, if you have not had a chance to watch the new episode, but before we get to that, Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday?
2: I'm doing good. I think uh, you were just so excited at the beginning that uh, Thor Frog jumped into your throat and just yeah, blocked it was, everything. You know,
1: I was getting a little choked up. You know, it's it's an emotional time for me. You know, Loki got me today. His you know very great good episode. I'm still a little choked up about it. You know, seeing that Browns okay. logo right above your head over there too. You know, just. Makes me realize football season is almost here. Can't wait. So, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm excited.
2: I'm getting ready. I, you know, I went and got new, uh, new merchandise I know. I need for to get the, some for the network. Stuff. So, I feel like I'm ready. You know, uh, we're even closer to the college season. So,
1: yeah, we're almost, I think we're less than 60 days now at this point. It's ridiculous. A little over well, a month away now.
2: Only 66 from the NFL. So,
1: Yes. I think what their first game is August 28th. So you're looking at about 50 something days away right now. So yeah, it's, it's almost here. We've got so much stuff planned too with Cam. Oh, I cannot wait. I wish I could say something we've got, we've got so much stuff coming. It's going to be fun, but let's, Ooh, let's do it. Let's actually talk a little Scott fishbowl. So on Monday, if you guys were tuning in, you would have known that I had not made a pick yet. It was a very stressful time. Matter of fact, Tuesday morning, I was up at two o'clock Central Time, three a.m. Eastern for everybody who lives Eastern Time, um, to do be part of the Scott Fishbowl Potathon with my good friend Austin Nace, part of the CampusCanton.com group, uh, and I'd still not made a pick yet at that point. So, like, I couldn't even discuss my strategy. Uh, we are now, I believe, six rounds in. Let me double check that. We are, we are in the middle of round six right now. So, I have made five picks. I'm picking out of the 10 spots, so I'm still a little bit uh, behind here. I'm at there. We're at pick five, so I doubt we'll get to my pick on air. But I like my team, don't love my team. This draft has been – if you guys are following Scott Fishbowl, I'm sure you've seen it everywhere. Like all, Every draft is so different, and ours has been just like – I thought I was zigging where others were zagging, and as soon as I did something, everybody else kind of went right with me. So then I tried to do – and it's – it's been a very weird draft, but for the most part, I like my team. Before we get to my team, though, how deep are you into your SFB eleven draft, Scott Fishbowl eleven, and and what does your team look like?
2: So we're almost at the end of uh, round twelve. I saw one of the divisions. I think it's My Chemical Romance is already finished. I have a friend in there, Tony oh. Reamer, uh, who who posted his team. Um, they're they're all done. So I wouldn't. It is definitely it. Uh, varied
1: in speed. What is what's the last round? I don't know off the top 22. of my head. twenty two.
2: Twenty two. So there's a uh
1: Brian Shikokis, who we, you know, we talk about all the time, at least at Camps is like one of the big he creates all these really intriguing camps to canton leagues. I think he posted earlier that they were around like eighteen earlier today. So there's yeah. definitely some drafts that are flying. I mean, again, ours was held up due to unfortunately someone didn't understand how to make the pick and then they timed out, and then we had to replace them. So it was like a whole thing that kind of got uh raveled up in ours there. But go ahead, give us your team. Wait.
2: Yeah, we, we started out really fast. I, you know, I think we had made three picks when we were on the air. But we have one gentleman from England in our group and one gentleman who's in Canada who has a job during the day. Uh, and they're right next to each other. So we hit some, you know, we can't really make any progress in the e- in the traditional evenings for those of us right. in North America. She limits it. Um But I have uh, three quarterbacks, Josh Allen. Uh, I took Derek Carr, I think, in round six. And I went and got Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, in round eight. Quarterbacks were flying off the board in our draft. uh, And as much as I uh, am hopeful and believe in Drew Locke, I did not actually want my – my Scott fishbowl team to rely on drew lock. So I went to make sure I got some other quarterbacks. Uh, I got Aaron Jones and Deandre Swift as my top two running backs. And then I, like I picked that. up James Connor in round 10. Um, I waited a while on receiver. DJ Moore was my first receiver. Uh, then I got Sutton in round nine. And then I got DJ Chark in 10. I just took Jalen Waddle um, in my round 12 pick when I was coming back. So those are my four there. And then I have George Kittle who I took in round two and I snapped up Logan Thomas in, uh,
1: the 11th round. So I just mentioned Brian Shikokas. They are actually done as well. He just posted. He is in the, uh, it is the my chemical romance. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He actually finished his as well. So he is in that same division as, as your friends. So good for them. Yeah. I, so I don't, I almost went George Kittle in the second round. I decided not to. For those of you who obviously have been following us for the past couple years, you'll know that me and Matt both went George Kittle last year. (laughs) And I actually went Nick Chubb with my first round pick last year. And obviously those two with the combined being out just destroyed my season. So I decided to go a little bit different. I was listening to Joe Dolan. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday on SiriusXM talking about – they those guys like they have obviously with their full time positions in fantasy. They were doing like a big deep dive into all this stuff. Scott Fishbowl and they were talking about like the best way to win your division, at least attempt to win it. Because there, there is definitely some luck that goes into this with how many people are in the how many people are in this. It's not just always having the best team. And he said you have to be quarter a little quarterback heavy. You've got to try and get at least two quarterbacks who are top 15. Chances are you won't win if you don't. So I was like, you know what? I wanted Herbert. I, I really I'm all in on Herbert this year. And i talk, I think he's gonna be right around five or six. And so I took him with my first pick. Second pick rolled around, and I was gonna take Kittle. Jonathan Taylor was sitting there, and I was like, I, I want that top running back because I'm just so worried people are gonna just jump oh, I wanted Dalvin Cook, but he went the pick before me. Yeah. And Don- Jonathan Taylor was there. And I was like, I really want a running back. So I went cook I went uh Taylor. Then comes back around to me. I go Antonio Gibson in the third. I was like, you know what? I'll just double up my RBs there, get get set on that. And then I went Allen Robinson in the fourth round because I wanted to get a wide receiver. I was really, and this is where I think I may have messed up. I wanted Justin Jefferson. And I was like, you know what? The two people who are picking, because I, I was at 10, so you had 11 and 12, and then they went back to back. They had both already had wide receivers. One of them did not have a quarterback or a running back at this point. So I was like, chances are they're not going to go wide receiver again, right? So let me take A-Rob, who I think has got the safer floor than Justin Jefferson. Let me take A-Rob, and I'll hit Jefferson on the way back. He went two picks later. So then I pivoted, and I went to Baker Mayfield because I wanted to get another quarterback. I'm glad I did it, and I don't know if I started the second run, but at the point that I took Baker, there were already 20 quarterbacks off the board in our draft. Like I, yeah. You're in, obviously, our Slack channel, so you've seen – I mean, quarterbacks on. went crazy. crazy, yeah. And ours, I mean, our our literal first round was Kelsey, I am Homer Austin, Kelsey, McCaffrey, and then nothing but quarterbacks for, like, the next 17 picks outside of, like, Dalvin Cook. Like, it went crazy, quarterback. And so I was debating back and forth about going Baker or Carr, and I do believe in Stefanski and what he's doing with that offense. So I decided to go Baker because, like everybody says, too, right, fantasy's supposed to be fun, I don't really want to root for Derek Carr all year long. I don't. I, I'm not a fan of the Raiders. I don't think they're going to be good. So having I have, Baker on my team.
2: Go ahead. I have so many shares of Carr now. I must be a closet yeah. Raiders fan, which is you know, my booted, booted out of yeah. the city here.
1: Yeah. So I went Baker, and then I'm hope I was hoping to possibly go another quarterback here in my next turn. But with the way they flew off the board, I mean I'm looking at like Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold, and I'm not feeling great I mean, about
2: That was why I took Fitzmagic so. Magic. Uh, yeah. because, you know, I was looking the the thing that I made a joke about Locke, but the thing about that, if you're gonna go with a couple of these teams, you almost have to get two people to ensure one position. Like if you take yeah. a Mac Jones, you need to get Cam Newton. Yep. If you take Justin Fields, you know, I'm probably okay letting Dalton go, but if you're taking lock, you probably need to Gotta get, get bridge water at a pair or else you could end up kind of SOL somewhere along there. I've seen a lot of people like jumping on Trey Lancer really early. Yeah, like he went fifth he went before round Baker. Yeah. He went yeah. for Baker in mind, but you know, I'm, I'm half tempted just to scoop Jimmy G to, you yeah. know, stick it be, because that's the thing. You know, I wanted to get safe. I may in the later rounds take Mariota as, you know, just as an injury hedge, not because I think is gonna get knocked out. But for my right. second round pick, you know, we talked about Kittle. I love George Kittle, but I worry about him staying healthy. I wanted Baller, but he went. And then I was like, right. well, I'm gonna take Jonathan Taylor. He literally went, I think, the pick right in front of me. So Gosh. I was like, I'm I'm just gonna take, you know, I thought about taking Hawkinson instead, but Detroit borderline still yeah. scared. I think he's going to be good, but still scared. And I was like, if I, you know, I'm not taking Hawkinson overkill. That's yeah. That see, would maybe getting too cute. So I, I, I thought I about
1: I thought about taking Hawkinson in the third, and he went to pick after me it was a third round reversal. So I got to go back up and, like pick three or whatever it was yeah, at that point. They like, flipped back around to me, and so it was between for me it was between Gibson and Hawkinson, but only Waller. Kelsey and Kittle had gone off the board, and even now, there's only been four tight ends that have gone off the board. It's been Waller. Oh, I'm sorry, five. Pitts did go around to go, so it was it was Kelsey, then Kittle, Waller, Pitts, and then Mark Andrews just went, and we're in the sixth round. So yeah. I'm kind of like, or no, Hawkinson's gone and shit. So there's actually six that have gone. So I'm debating on what I want to do because. Like you just talked about you got Logan Thomas so late. Like he's a guy that I'm kind of targeting because I still think he's going to be good. I know they brought in Curtis Samuel, but I don't know he's going to take that much away from Logan Thomas. Like maybe he takes away some, but with the with the way the scoring is in Scott Fishbowl and how it leans tight ends, like even if Logan Thomas gives me like 60% of what he got last year, he's going to be a top tight end. And so I'm like, do I just kind of wait? And I'm, that's the game I'm playing right now is because my wide receiver core is Allen Robinson to nothing. So, like, I'm debating, should I go double-tap wide receivers? Should I grab a tight end? Do I get a quarterback? Like, it's it's so fascinating and so frustrating because, I mean, you can pull up the – I think it's the Roto Grinders app to look at the ADP stuff. Again, every draft is so different. Like, some of that is just – it's hard. To, it's like I said, some of that shows Trey Lance is going, like, in the seventh round for the most part. Well, he went in the fifth round. ours and ahead of a guy like Baker Mayfield, which I'm sorry. I'm not – you can call me a homer if you want. I'm not taking Trey Lance right now over Baker Mayfield. He's done nothing in the NFL. There's no guarantees even going to start this year. So it's been definitely a fun draft, though. I'm, I'm excited to see what my team looks like as I continue to build it out because I like the quarterbacks and running backs, but I need to. I'm a little worried about what my wide receiver core is going to look like as I continue to build it.
2: Yeah, I'm about uh, six picks from getting to go. We're waiting on um, last pick provided. They get to the guy from England before he goes to sleep. I I waited to get a second tight end for a while because I was seeing the same thing. And when I grabbed um, Thomas, like Tanyan was still there. He went after me. A whole bunch came off the board after me. I'm actually thinking about when it swings back around just taking Irv Smith because I think he's in for a huge year and people are kind yeah. of sleeping on him like Thielen went in the sixth round. Oh yeah. I think Irv Smith could, you know, we're going to talk about Vikings today. I think he could end up being a better value. And so I was thinking, you know, I've, I've been hitting those, uh, you know, bouncing around and then I'll probably just try to hammer a receiver and running back down the stretch because I have, I feel good at quarterback. If I take another tight end, I feel like I have three of each because, you know, playing tight ends at those, um, Spots, our friend Ricky actually in the was either the I think it was the ninth round actually took a kicker. Uh, he took young uh, so, I saw uh, someone was else interested about that. well, they I have get, not seen any he, go in our draft yet, but
1: some but they didn't didn't he kind of jump up the scoring for kickers as well to make them like a worthy flex play?
2: Yeah, so, they're not a terrible. I don't know if I'd go, I, I'm not that really early say kickers yet. Yeah. Uh, but he was looking at – he's got an interesting build uh, going for his team too. He waited on tight end to I, – I don't think he took his first tight end until round 10 and he got Gaseki And then he got Johnu Smith, so not two pretty decent yeah, options. Yeah. In ours, Irv Smith's still there, Hunter Smith's still there. We're about to turn into the 13th. So I think there are some decent worthwhile, as, as we've talked about many times, beyond probably the top four. It's a pretty flat yeah, sure group is. that could – do a lot of tight end. I mean, I'd
1: assume young Hoku was one and probably Butker. Someone said there were three kickers last year that could have been flexible. So I would imagine yeah. those had to be two of them just because of the length of field goals that they kicked as well. I mean, I Butker, think Tucker. Yeah. And yeah, probably Tucker because like, I mean, I know I'm almost positive. Butker had to have been one. And then young Hoku because of volume as well, because Atlanta wasn't putting in a lot of touchdowns, but they were getting <laughs> well, into the the red zone a lot. So.
2: And that's – I know a lot of people have been looking at Legatron, but he went to Dallas, and if Dallas scores a ton of touchdowns and not field goals, it doesn't matter that he's yeah, one of the yeah, best kickers in the
1: league. You're right, Austin. I think it was Bass because I saw someone post uh, – I think it's Linda Linda Lyons. I think she's with FF Intervention and a couple other places. I think she took Bass and was talking about because she's been big on the whole kicker – like kickers are people too and all that stuff and started the whole putting kickers in thing. So – I think I think it was her I, I could be wrong, but i I do think it was her. So before though we get to the Minnesota Vikings, Matt is going to update you guys on the listener league re- redraft.
2: yep, so we're doing a redraft league gonna be a twelve team superflex gonna be hosted on sleeper. Uh, Dennis Matt and myself are in and there's one entry already in the winner of our. Um, Super Bowl competition Uh, I know that feels like it was 10 years ago But it was in February, it's for this year So we still have 8 spots They're going to be up for grabs Next week we're finishing off our team previews Doing uh, the only division that actually matters uh, To Matt, which is is the AFC North Uh, And then after that We're going to start a series of shows Doing our redraft rankings by position So next week, look for a series of uh, tweets coming off the show handle. I'll retweet them. I'm sure Matt and Dennis will as well. That are going to ask you to make predictions about which of the three of us will be highest or lowest on certain players. Uh, And then if you manage to nail that, we will welcome you into the league. So we'll probably – a lot of the questions are going to be about quarterbacks, which we're going to do the first, um, which will be the week of July 19th. Uh, We're going to be doing our quarterback Uh, reveals because I want to make sure we get everybody in. We will do a slow draft like we did last year, aiming to start the second week of August when preseason games begin.
1: Yeah. And we will, uh, I don't, we haven't decided for sure, but we'll get, we give something away every year. So we will give us something away, whether it's, you know, some free gear from us, maybe we'll give away, I don't know. Austin's still watching. So maybe we shouldn't say this. Maybe I'll give away a free subscription to our website or, I don't. I don't think we did a jersey for this one last year. It may have been something. I don't remember what we did. I think it was just free gear. But we'll give something away like we always do. So, anyways, let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Last year they finished third place and with a seven and nine record. Their key additions they brought in cornerback. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, it's been fun, guys. Uh, you know, nice knowing you. It's been it's been a good ride. Oh, Matt, you can huh. stay. So, all right.
2: No, I'm, I'm I think it's just because he's afraid of having to write all the NFL articles on his own. I have no, already put, true. I think I've posted 32 now since we, when did we I start? We're all very
1: afraid of doing that. So <laughs> uh, Patrick Peterson, the cornerback comes over. They got Brashad Breland, the cornerback, Nick Vigil, the linebacker, Xavier Woods, the safety and Sheldon Richardson hated to see Sheldon Richardson go uh, defensive uh, tackle their key losses. Running back Mike Boone goes to the Broncos. Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, goes to the Giants. Riley Reeve, the offensive tackle, to the Bengals. And their draft picks, they take Christian Derrissaw, the offensive tackle, in the first. And, of course, the guy that everybody keeps saying is going to replace Kirk Cousins at some point in time this year, Kellen Mond, quarterback out of Texas A&M, in the third. The Vikings' defense struggled in 2020, but the team added a lot of pieces in the offseason. Is Minnesota of playoff team in 2021? Dennis said the Vikes have the talent to be competitive, but they focused on defense in the offseason and could impact the off and it could impact the volume on offense. They should be competitive in a division and push for a playoff spot.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they have all the pieces, but again, we've said that this is what going to be year four for Kirk Cousins since he signed that monster deal. It seemed like they've had all the pieces. That was one of the rationale they gave for giving what, doesn't look like a bad deal now, uh, given the quarterback market, but was a pretty substantial guaranteed money deal uh, to Cousins four off-seasons ago. They kind of doubled down on that. We're going to see them for a few more years. They have some good pieces. They were competitive at times last year. Their defense really killed them, which is interesting, um, because that had been better before. I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they definitely could.
1: So I'm going to give you guys some of the like hardest hitting analysts you guys are going to get. And I think in all of fantasy football at this moment, Mike Zimmer is like an every other year guy last year. They didn't make the playoffs. So he's going to make the playoffs this year. Just go look at it. It's every other year. He's like really good. Then they suck really good. Then they suck. I, I do agree with what you guys are saying. I think they have the talent too. I'm, I'm honestly a little bit more bullish on their offense than Dennis is. I mean, I just – I think that they're going to be good. I mean, one of the things with their defense, they had all those guys injured last year. They focused on that in the offseason. They get a lot of those guys back healthy. You know, I'm just not a believer in Mike Zimmer. I mean, we talked about this last year when they gave him the contract. It made no sense to me. I mean, granted, very thankful as a Browns fan that they let Kevin Stefanski walk out the door. But I think if we're all being honest, the Vikings – if you were to give the – vikings front office a couple shots and asked them to be honest they might tell you they probably wish they had kevin Stefanski there right now instead of mike zimmer but I, I do think that they've got a real shot i mean the bears for me i think are the probably the second most competitive team in this division if they start justin fields I, I i just don't think andy dalton has it anymore i mean i know that it was a weird year last year but that cowboys offense was loaded and he just looked horrible i know their offensive line was beat up Bears offensive line isn't any better, and I mean, as much as I love Allen Robinson, I also think it's fair to say the Bears' skill players are not quite what Dallas's are, and that's a lot coming from a guy who re- religiously hates on the Cowboys. So I, I don't know that Andy Dalton's going to be much better. You know, I think Matt Nagy is, is on the hot seat as well there in Chicago. So I think Minnesota really has a shot to kind of compete in this division, and if that's the case, I think they do have a realistic shot. I know we did our early season schedule game and I'm pretty sure I only had them with like three or four wins. So, but once we get closer to the season, we'll redo it again. I, I think I'll have them a lot higher than I did in the first run. It's just, I'm going to go with it. I think that they make the playoffs.
2: I mean, if they only get four wins, it's going to be tough.
1: Very true. You know, maybe the whole NFC is going to suck. This I, I don't think NFC is as deep as the AFC. Though. I, I really don't.
2: Well, NFC West, and then you have a top group in uh, the South and in the East, uh, two teams oh, wait, in each added, that
1: are. They added the extra playoff last spot last year, right? Am yeah, I, I'm not so making, you can. I'm have, yeah,
2: out. you can have seven teams in, but I think you can make a case for any of the four in the West. Yeah, Dallas for sure. and Washi- yeah. Dallas and Washington in the East, provided Washington. everyone stays south he- healthy. I still think the Saints have a roster that could be in the playoffs, despite. <laughs> having to turn over a quarterback, Tampa Bay. Green Bay, if Rodgers is there, and based on Monday's show, it seems like we all think he will be, is still the best there. Yeah. I. The reason I say they have the talent, but I don't think they'll make it, I think they could easily finish second in the NFC North. I don't think NFC North produces two playoff teams. I think it's more likely you get three out of the West than two out of the North.
1: I mean I wouldn't be surprised. I mean I was all in on the West last year. I'm pretty sure I had like I tried to get like all four of them into the playoffs last year because no, I I, mean, I think that division's just loaded. So it
2: is loaded. The only I mean, thing that, got, that helps other teams is they have to play each other.
1: Oh you can't catch the Rams is just cut off. I'll say we've got three of them right there on the screen. The Rams a the tab it cut off. It looks like Golden State War. Sorry. That's how I yeah. think about the Golden State Warriors. So, all right. So, fantasy finishes and fantasy projections. Cousin had his best season for the Vikings in 2020, but the drafting of Mond raised some eyebrows. What do we see coming in 2021, and how much longer for Captain Kirk in Minnesota? He finished his QB 11 last year with 4,265 yards. 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, added 156 rushing yards and one touchdown. Dennis said that Cousins has a really high cap number the next two seasons, so he doesn't expect him going to be going anywhere. He will be 34 when the contract ends. Last season, his pass attempts went from 29 a game to 32. I think Zimmer tries to get under 30 a game. Cousins is a pretty is pretty efficient though and will be a solid QB2. Do you agree with that, Matt?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he is a solid QB, too. I do not expect them to make any change in 2021. I'm not as sold. You know, I think that if they have another frustrating season and don't go anywhere, they will explore some options. I think the drafting of Mond raised eyebrows because he's a different kind of quarterback, too. Um, I know some people have talked about that, but... You know, there are certain quarterbacks they could have taken that Cousins probably would have sloughed off, but it's a slightly different skill set, which is an odd choice if you were looking purely for a backup, but not an odd choice if you're looking at maybe a different, you know, the different skill set that seems to be highly prized in the NFL today. That being said, I think he's there all of 2021, and I think that's going to decide a little bit of the future. I currently have him at quarterback 15, I have him uh, atop a block of quarterbacks that includes uh, Fitzpatrick, Carr, Matt Ryan, uh, and that block slightly ahead of guys like uh, Tua, a Wentz, or a Darnold, who you know we have hopes for, but we aren't totally sold that they're going to step up. I think he's still very solid. He'll be right. Uh, you know, I have him top half quarterback two. He's ranged from 11 to 18 in his years with Minnesota, so I think that's right in line. I agree with Dennis that they would probably like to have better run pass balance. If they play better defense, they also won't need to chuck it quite as much.
1: Yeah, I, I can't rank him lower than 15. Again, I haven't finished mine. I keep saying that as we continue to get closer and closer to us doing our rankings, I really need to sit down one of these you and, have 10 days. and finish it. So, but uh, I, I don't, I just can't do it. He he's been so consistent as Dennis mentioned in his write up on him. And I think he's going to continue to do that. My biggest fear with Mond and I know he blew a lot of people away by his, you know, Zach Wilson, Wilson esque throw in shorts, with no defenders around him on air to a wide open wide receiver because nobody was covering him. Mond has the tools. He's a he he can, I think, be a very good quarterback. The biggest thing with me is he just doesn't read the field well. And if you're not doing that at the college level, I, I struggle to think you're going to just be able to do that at the NFL level. I don't think that they're going to replace Kirk Cousins, regardless of what they do, because I think it's fair to say outside of that first year, Cousins came over where you could tell he was definitely struggling a little bit. I mean, that that was the very famous, like Adam Thielen getting pissed on the sideline and everything. And and he's been consistent and he's been good. I don't think you can blame Kirk Cousins for many of the losses that the Vikings have had over the past couple of years. So I think they're going to keep him. Now, will they resign him after his deal is up? That I don't know. I, I know Austin has talked about this on his campus to Canton Pod, and I agree with him. I think Kirk Cousins is just good enough that he's going to get another contract after this, where it's going to be. I don't know, but I do think someone's going to give him another shot to be a starter somewhere if it's not with Minnesota. So maybe Kellen Mond is their future in two years, but I don't see them doing anything until Cousins contract is done. So for me, I think if you're taking him dynasty leagues. You can at least, I think you can count on for at least another four or five years, but you've got two years in the bag for sure. I don't think he's going anywhere.
2: Well and Dennis is right, like the the cap hit if they were to do anything this year is seventy six million. Next year it's forty-five million. That's we Dennis, have yeah. seen yeah, we have seen teams figure some things out. Um and if it was a trade, it would cut down the uh the dead cap money if yeah. they were really. I think the only so the only reason I think think that you potentially only see one more year for him is if they don't feel like they were successful and they decide to clean house and rebuild because they're kind of to me teetering on the edge they have a lot of veteran players they have a couple of young players they have they're right up bumping up against the cap which has been some of the problem ever since cousins got there uh not because of him just because that's you know that's the nature of when you have a veteran competitive team. And they have they had more playoff success with Case Keenum and Sam Bradford yep. than they have had with Kirk Cousins. And this isn't I'm I'm not putting it all on Cousins either, but just the nature of this will be year four kind of on this track. If they have another six and ten or seven and nine season and miss the playoffs, you have to think really hard about whether it's time to try to do something different. And I think that could even include Zimmer. I know they re-signed to that extension, which would make that just a really tough pill to swallow. But at some point in time, if you're not getting where you want to be, I don't think they want to hang around, you know, finishing somewhere between the 6th and 11th spot in the conference every year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say I think there's a better shot Zimmer's gone than Cousins in, in the next two seasons. Just because, and again, I, I mean, I said it when they signed him. It just didn't seem like a smart move. I think what you're saying is, is, is all, in all honesty, their biggest issue is they keep going all in, it seems, every year with these veterans like they're a Super Bowl contending team. And I think if we're being honest with it, if they were honest with themselves, they're not there yet. They're still a step down. I would say maybe even two steps down from some of the hmm. best teams in the NFC, regardless of how many veterans you guys bring in your offensive line is not good. Your defensive line is good, but your linebackers are decent. Your secondary was crap last year. You now, maybe some of that has to do with the injuries and I, I can't remember who, who their cornerback was. He was always been really good. And then last year was just kind of, it seemed like fell off a cliff, but they, they I'm, I'm trying to remember what his name is. I can't, It for the life of yeah. me, I cannot remember who it is. Um, uh, wrote, wrote, is it, was it Xavier? Uh, yeah, Rokes Xavier Rose? Rhodes.
2: Yeah. No, so like, like, didn't he go to the Colts?
1: Was that last year? I don't remember. There was a, there is a, there was, it maybe it was last year. Maybe it was two years ago he fell off a cliff, but they just, their team, in, in my opinion, is not a Super Bowl contender, but they keep acting or building like it is. Like they keep adding on these veteran pieces, like they're one or two positions away from winning a Super Bowl. And I just don't see that. So I, I do think that they're, If they would go and try and do a rebuild, they probably would have much better success down the road, but I I don't think that they're going to do it, at least not this year. Cook is a beast at running back. Where does he finish in 2021? Cook had uh, 312 carries for 1,557 yards, 16 touchdowns, 44 receptions for 361 yards, and one touchdown to finish as RB2. Dennis said Cook is currently my RB2 for 2021, a dynamic three-down back with no in-house competition.
2: Yeah, Rhodes was
1: gone last year, so I
2: can't figure out. It looked like they had a lot of rookies. So no, it was, was Rhodes
1: that I was thinking of, but it, it must've been two years ago. He was with the Vikings two years ago, right? It was, I guess he, yeah. he was gone last year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause I, I, w- I just went to look, cause the only one I can think of was Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes. They both left last year and it looks like they drafted a bunch of people, Gladney, Mike Hughes. Um, so Dalvin cook, I think he's going to be great. Um, I think he's been consistently great. I have him as running back, too, uh, right now. Also, he's he's great in the passing game. He's great in the running game. As long as he's on the field, he's going to be a huge producer. I think the offense runs best through him, um, and that's why they'll want to keep it a little bit closer this year.
1: Agree. Not really much to add there. Outside of injury, he should, at worst, be a top five running back. So he's all in on Dalvin Cook. He stays healthy. You're going to enjoy having him on your team. A great rookie season for Jefferson. Is he top 10 again? Is he top five? Thielen finished top 10 thanks largely to touchdowns. Does he repeat that? So Justin Jefferson finished as wide receiver six, 88 receptions, 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns. Thielen, wide receiver 10, 74 receptions, 925 yards and 14 touchdowns. Dennis says that he has Jefferson at wide receiver seven and Thielen at wide receiver 22. Jefferson has ascended and is worth a high draft pick. Thielen is still a great red zone threat and excellent route runner with chemistry with cousins.
2: Thielen is still a red zone threat, but um, I know people have commented a lot that his splits when Irv Smith was the starter were not great. Um, I think that, uh, I expect Smith to take a step forward now that Rudolph's gone. I think that's going to take a bigger bite. Jefferson was probably the biggest surprise uh, last year with how incredible he was. I think he's still going to be good. I have him at wide receiver eight. I think he's set to be a top 10 uh, receiver, even if they don't have to chuck it quite as much. Dillon, I dropped down a little bit into wide receiver three range. I have him at 31 right now. His receptions and yards waned quite a bit last year. I don't think he's a huge receptions and yards guy anymore, and I don't think you can count on getting 14 touchdowns again. Um, They could run for more touchdowns. They could not have to be as high-scoring. I expect Smith to be a factor in the red zone as well. So I think dealing comes down uh, that this is probably the year where the the fall-off happens. Last year we masked some of the fall-off by having those 14 touchdowns, yeah, um, but if you look at his other numbers, he definitely took a bit of a step back.
1: Yeah, Jefferson's top five for me. I agree with uh, with what both you guys are saying. He's worth the pick. He he was an absolute stud last year, and a guy that nobody expected to break out either. He was kind of lower on everybody's rookie rankings. Had a phenomenal season. I still think I'm going to have Thielen as a wide receiver too, like Dennis, maybe right around the same range, 22 to 24, just because I do think that they will go to him in the red zone. I just, regardless of, because I agree, you could tell, he he, just, he wasn't even going downfield as much as he had been in the past, but I think because he has that chemistry with Cousins and because he is such a good route runner, he does such a good job of creating separation. I think when they get down in the red zone, if he creates even that smallest bit of separation, Cousins is going to hit him because he's still going to be one of his primary reads. And so he's going to get touchdowns. Now, does he get the, what did he have? 14, right? 14 touchdowns last year. Probably not. But could I see him getting eight, nine or 10 possibly. And so that's going to keep him buoyed up a little bit. I mean, he did fall. I mean, just about what? 75 yards short of a thousand yards. It's still a pretty good season. It's not, you know, you don't have a ton of wide receivers out there every year getting a thousand yards. So he still overall had a good year. What I do think, and this goes back to the point Dennis made earlier, I do think with that defense getting a little bit better this year, maybe we don't see them throw the ball as much as they had to last year to stay in game, so obviously that could bring his volume down a little bit as well. You mentioned Irv Smith, so I definitely think he takes a step back. He's not going to be a wide receiver one, but I think just because of touchdowns, I I could see him finishing again as a wide receiver two, like right right there on the cusp of him, And and that's kind of what you're having to pay for him now too, I think. I know you said he went pretty early in yours, but some of the other ones I've yeah. seen, he's gone. I know one. There was someone talking about they got him in like the ninth or tenth round. I mean, I'd take Thielen in the ninth or tenth round of a draft, and then just yeah, hope, I mean, like, especially Sanders. in a redraft. His, right, well, even, his
2: ADP right now is wide receiver nineteen in PPR, fifteen in standard. Uh, he's going fifty-two overall, which is fifth round.
1: So I would not do that in standard leagues because you're really going to be counting. Well, he's going forty three and
2: yeah, standard, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, in standard
1: I wouldn't do that. Yeah, PPR. I mean, that's that's close because I don't think I don't know if he finishes around nineteen. So it's a little bit more than what I'd pay for him. But I do think he's got that upside. Like I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes like a top. I mean, that'd be 15, interesting. 16.
2: When you finally go through a do wide receiver because I thought I'd end up having feeling a little bit hard higher too. Wide receiver oh, is so it's ridiculous. And when you yeah. start looking at there are, I think I made a joke that there were fifty guys I could make a case for putting in my top twenty four. Yeah. So where I have him thirty one isn't, in my opinion, that bad compared to the competition People and problem. the you know yeah. You know, well, the opportunities seen, and some of these teams so, getting better.
1: I mean, you've got him at 31, so realistically, he's not that far off from a wide receiver two for you right now. You know, we're gonna have some injuries at some point, and some people are just going to disappoint. So if he ends up having a decent year again, like it's not out of the realm of possibilities, as Dennis says, to to see him jump up to that wide receiver two range. I think yeah. I would be shocked if I saw him up at wide receiver ten again this year. I, I don't see that coming, but I would not be shocked if he finishes anywhere from fifteen so to thirty. Wide
2: receiver thirty one last year was Chris uh Godwin. So let's look up his I'm pretty sure he had eighty-four receptions. I
1: think so. He missed a game, I think. He missed one
2: four he missed four games, four but games. he still he had sixty five receptions for eight hundred forty yards and seven touchdowns. Gotcha. That's not a terrible no. call off. Uh, you know, for for Thielen to be in that range, that's just. I, and you're you're right. He could he could come up. Injuries always kind of rebalance things. But there's just there's so many there's so many options. Wide receiver feels really brutal to hedge this year. Yeah. Which is probably why going through most of the team previews, we've probably listed like 95 people in in
1: wide receiver two range. Yeah, wide receiver two range. Yeah, that's that's what's going to make the ranking episode a whole lot of fun. All right, Rudolph is gone. Matt's already been talking a little bit about Irv Smith when we were doing our Scott Fishbowl preview and how that might affect Thielen moving forward. Um, He last year finished his tight end 22 with 30 receptions, 365 yards, and five touchdowns. Dennis said that, there have been mixed messages from the coaches. Zimmer said tight end Irv Smith would not have a big role in the team's offense this year. Offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak said Irv Smith is going to have more opportunities this season. Dennis says he's expecting about 60 plus receptions for Smith. He is his tight end seven. Where are you going with uh, Irv Smith?
2: I'm I'm bullish on him. I have him uh, currently sitting at tight end nine, but he's in that group. You know, we've talked about six to 12, you know, probably six to 15. Doesn't take a lot to vacillate. Uh, I think he's going to take a big step up too. Um, You know, if Clint Kubiak follows uh, his dad's lead, tight end was always a big uh, factor for offenses in Denver and in Houston um, when the Kubiaks ran those. So I would not be surprised to see him play a big role. I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan use the the tight end a lot, all of it kind of coming off that same coaching branch and tree.
1: Yeah, I think – man, I really don't know what I want to do. Because I like Irv Smith. I liked him coming out. I just don't know what to think. I mean, I don't trust... I mean, I I guess I should say I probably should trust Zimmer because, I mean, all the dude wants to do is run the ball. So maybe he won't serve Smith in there just to block, and he was a decent blocker coming out. So I hope that he's more involved because I just think he's a very good tight end, and I do think he can do good things for this offense. I think it can definitely help out Adam Thielen, definitely help out Justin Jefferson, giving Cousins another weapon on the field, and defense is another weapon to look out for. I'm not betting on it. I think I'll likely have Smith in my top 12 seven just feels high for me i don't know if i can get him up that high but i I think just looking at tight end list he he probably is going to make it in my top 12 will be right around that mark dennis's detroit lions finished in fourth place last year five and 11 their key additions they traded for a quarterback jared goff they brought in running back jamal williams wide receiver Tyrell williams wide receiver brashad perriman Tight end Josh Hill and cornerback Quentin Dunbar. Their key losses, they traded away Matt Stafford to the Rams. Kenny Galladay goes to the Giants. Marvin Jones goes to the Jaguars. Jared Davis goes to the linebackers. Desmond Trufant goes to the Bears. Matt Prater goes to the Cardinals. Their draft picks, they somehow managed to get Panay Sewell, although they should definitely have taken Justin Fields in the first round. They get Levi Onzuwuzariki. Onzu- I don't oh, say his name. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the defensive tackle in the second round. And then one of my favorite picks of the draft, because I do think he could be a steal, is they got Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver, out of USC in the fourth round. The Dan Campbell era begins biting caps and all. What do we hope to see? Dennis says that he hopes to see them give and throw the ball to DeAndre Swift. I think the Lions will run a conservative offense as much as they can to hide Goff's limitations. What do you see with Dan Campbell and the Lions?
2: Yeah, and I think we've talked about a few times Dan Campbell got a little bit of a longer contract, I believe six years, because everybody recognized it was going to take some time. I don't think anyone thinks Jared Goff is the ultimate answer. He's probably a one- to two-year bridge. Um, I think they could have taken a quarterback. That would have made some sense, but I do like the idea that they are trying to fundamentally build some positions. I think we saw... Uh, Miami do this uh, at times. We saw Cleveland do this at times. When you're when you realize you're pretty far in the hole, you try to build with uh, the best players you can at some crucial positions. Pensacola is going to be great. The best part of the offense that they have coming back is DeAndre Swift. It would not hurt them at all to be able to keep Jared Goff upright long enough to find him in Hawkinson and also to open some holes uh, to allow him to go and run through. I'm with Dennis. I think it's wheels up for Swift. I know people have been concerned about Jamal Williams. I'm not. um, We'll get to that when we get to the running backs. I still just don't think Detroit's a great team. I think they're probably a fourth-place team in the North, uh, it's going to take more than one off season to write this ship, especially since they had some cap issues as well.
1: Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit on our Debbie debate after show last night. Uh, Felix Sharp, who is one of my co-hosts, uh, one of the co-founders of Camps to Canton, as well as also a Lions fan. Uh, and he was saying that he kind of hopes that they get like a, they. That he likes. I, I think he likes Rattler more. He has Rattler ranked higher, but he was saying that he hopes the Lions get Sam Howell. Next year, and then a wide receiver as well, because they do have the two first-round picks. They got the Rams one, although that's probably going to be later in the draft if the Rams do what most of us think, and then being at least in the playoffs, if not trying to make a Super Bowl run. Uh, so he was hoping that they maybe get like a Sam Howell and a wide receiver. You know, I I still believe they should have taken Justin Fields, but I can't hate the Sewell pick. That that was like one of the guys that. Because he fell to them, it makes sense. Cause I I, I agree with you. you. Hear all these people always talk about you want to build from the line, right? Like you want to build out from the line. You continue to build out that line. Now that line looks really good adding a guy like Panacea. And then if they get a Sam Howell next year, that's still overall, I think, great for their rebuild. So I think Justin Fields is definitely going to be better than Sam Howell, but I think overall you improved your team by improving that offensive line. I do like him on Russ St. Brown. If they can add another wide receiver, I mean, I, I do think that this team is going somewhere, you know the weird press conference aside, I'm not going to judge Dan Campbell just yet because we've seen some coaches say some weird things and do some weird stuff in press conferences and everything. So I want to see what he can do with the Lions first before I judge him. I mean, at this point, as much as I, uh, as much as I say this, you know, I I don't want to like, he can't be worse than Matt Patricia, right? Like Matt Patricia was kind of a garbage fire there in Detroit. And, You know, they should never have fired. Why can I not remember his name to begin with? Uh, Uh,
2: Caldwell. Yes, they never
1: should have fired Caldwell to begin with because of how good he was doing with the Lions, and they bring in, and again, I don't want to.
2: Some dickhead on this pod picked Matt Patricia's coach of the year last year. I I could not. I'm I'm
1: glad he's not here anymore. We got rid of him, people. We got rid of him. He's not here anymore, people. So don't worry about him. Yeah. Well, no. In fairness, I think we all. I think I had him right around five hundred. So none of us thought they were going to be as bad as they were. But yeah, it was. I just was thought
2: the potential of the roster. I still, you know, offensively, I will say it's been a couple of years of Detroit never really getting to see yeah. what they had because Swift wasn't healthy all year. Galladay hardly ever played. Yeah. It's it's a study in what might have been, but now see this where Detroit is this year is is sometimes what I wonder if we're gonna see where Minnesota ends up next year. Not that they will probably be as bad this year, but they have a potential of saying, Hey, we, we we've gotta burn it down. And sometimes when you get yourself into veteran laden cap issue teams, Atlanta's in that situation. You know, maybe that's an argument that you make for seeing uh, you know, cousins for another year because, you know, they obviously didn't And Detroit holding on to a player like Goff and not trying to take a franchise quarterback. I get the appeal of wanting to take fields, but there'd be so much pressure to play him. And as we'll look at in a minute, Detroit has no wide receivers. And if they hadn't taken Sewell, they don't have a great line. That's not setting up your rookie quarter. And they they don't have a great defense. That's not setting up your rookie quarterback to win. Trying to get some pieces and letting a veteran suffer through that makes a little bit more sense to me long-term. Yeah,
1: I mean, it definitely makes more sense, but I stand by my statement that if they took Justin Fields, the Lions would be in the playoffs this year. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm, I know it's crazy, but Justin Fields, man, look, he's a winner. All right? He is a winner. The running backs, very interesting situation here. Swift looked great in 2020. Where does he finish in 2021? Williams comes over for the Packers. What do we expect from him? He also went healthy, and, and honestly, let's let's all be honest, Williams looked like a much different running back last year as well. He was he, he looked a lot better as well as why he was taking some of the touches away from Aaron Jones. So Swift finishes RB 18, 114 carries, 521 yards, 8 touchdowns, 46 receptions, 357 yards and two touchdowns. Jamal Williams finishes RB 38 with the Packers, 119 carries, 505 yards, two touchdowns, 31 receptions, 236 yards, and one touchdown. Dennis says it looks like a two man backfield. I think Swift will get more carries and targets. RB 15 for him. Jamal Williams, for all the talk about how good he is in the passing game, only had 35 targets. He has Williams at RB 43.
2: Yeah, so he's uh he's probably a little um less bullish uh, on both. Going into the opposite, he's not I thought it was gonna be Wills up for Swift. Dennis probably says a two-man backfield because he's he's trying to wish away Todd Gurley coming to the lines like the rest of us are. Um I think it's probably a two-man backfield too. I thought Swift was gonna be good and Williams. Didn't The sign, Williams signing didn't totally dissuade me before I looked at the numbers, and afterward I feel even better about it. 2019, Aaron Jones was RB2. Jamal Williams got his around 120 carries, and his around 30 receptions was RB34. Last year, Aaron Jones, I think, was RB5 or RB6. Jamal Williams still got 119 carries, 31 receptions, finished as RB 38. I think it can be a very similar dynamic here. Swift is a weapon uh, that they're going to use. I have him currently when I did at uh, RB 11. Um, you know, maybe that's a little high, but I I like his opportunity. I think. They're going to rely on the players that they have that can contribute, and right now, that's really not in the receiver realm. I have hopes long term for Amon Ross, St. Brown. I don't know if this is the year. Tyro Williams has been in the wide receiver forty to fifty range for a long time. Perman doesn't do much for me. Quintez Cephas, I think, is a project too. So I have Jamal Williams at, at running back thirty six. I think. Both those guys can coexist, and both can have good seasons similar to the dynamic that we saw in Green Bay.
1: Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I think the only way Williams maybe gets higher is if Swift is injured, which we did see him miss a couple games last year. I think it was because of the concussion for the most part. I don't think he missed because of anything else. Yeah, it was concussion. You know, looked good for the most part being out there. Why he wasn't starting to begin with, I'm still not understanding. Probably another reason why Patricia's not there. I do expect Swift to get 70 to 80% of the workload, but I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe use Williams a little bit more than maybe the Packers did just because Swift has not been quite as durable as Aaron Jones, even going back to the college days, So that that's my only fear with them, but I agree. I think at the end of the day, Swift is going to be in that 12 to 15 range, Williams in the 30s somewhere. I don't know if I'm going to have him as low as 43. You said you had him at 33? I had him 36. 36, so... I might be a little bit higher than both of you. I really need to sit down and do my rankings. Uh, but I, I do think that he could at least be. I, he's a guy that I've been targeting in drafts just because of how late he's going. And I do think, obviously, if Swift gets hurt, he's going to have huge upside. Because I, I mean, I love Jamar Jefferson. I don't know if Jamar is going to do anything unless both those guys get hurt. Uh, so I think Williams has got a lot of value in being a solid backup for for deandre swift if swift gets hurt and and i do think williams is going to have some kind of staying power at least a little bit but i'm with you guys probably you know i'd be a little bit higher but i think somewhere in that 30 range is where he will be oh wide receivers this this is just a bad group guys Wide receiver, to put it mildly, mi- mildly is a work in progress. Between Williams, Perriman, St. Brown, and Quintez Cephas, what do we expect? Any Do any of them finish as a wide receiver, three or higher? Dennis said it's a great group of best ball receivers. Draft at your own risk or watch the waiver wire to find the breakout.
2: If pressed, I still think Amon Ross St. Brown ends up finishing the highest, yeah. um, pr- partly because Perriman and Williams also struggle to stay on the field. I don't think any of them finishes in the top 50. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see any in the top 60, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I'm with you, and I do think it's Amon Ross St. Brown. I do think he's got a realistic shot to finish as like in a wide receiver three. And I will say this and – it's something that I hate sometimes when other analysts do it, but I'm going to do it. I shouldn't say it. When other people say this, it, I, it bothers me because I don't think you can always make the comparisons. But Jared Goff loved going to Cooper Cup, who is a slot-wide receiver in the Los Angeles Rams. I do expect that. going to be where Amon Ross St. Brown plays. doesn't have the speed that Cooper Cup has, but I think he's a very good route runner, very good all over the field. Amon Ross St. Brown, I would not be surprised if he was targeted heavily by golf in this offense. So I do think he's got a shot just based on catches and what he can do after the catch alone. But that is just kind of like taking apples and oranges, in my opinion, because I'm just saying he could be Cooper Cup without ever actually seeing that. But if I had to take a shot on one of them, I'd imagine he's probably the highest drafted out of all the guys, though, if you're looking at 80 because everybody thinks that as well. Uh, So you're going to – I wouldn't say pay – top dollar but you're gonna have to pay higher than any of the other guys to get him but he would be the one i would bet on in this group Last well, yeah, little uh,
2: his he's going currently as wide receiver
1: 67 Some that's not a bad bet especially if you can get wide yeah. receiver three return from again you're you're taking a shot in the dark i'm not telling you he's gonna be a wide receiver three but i think i out like of him all those more guys, in dynasty I, oh yeah for sure yeah but I mean, when you're in like like us, right now, if we, when you're in the Scott Fish Bowl, I mean, at wide receiver, I'm fine taking that shot at him. And if he ends up coming through as a wide receiver three, that's great. That's one of my flex plays right there. So uh, he's a guy that I'm willing to redraft. at his ADP. Now, if you were telling me he was going off the board at like wide receiver 33 or 34, I'd be like, yeah, probably not going to take that risk because there is a lot of downside. But at 60 at that point. I mean, you are in Scott Fishbowl drafting kickers maybe at that point, being like, okay, well, let's see if this guy can outscore some of the, the wide receivers on my roster. Hawkinson blew up last year. Does that continue in 2021? Hawkinson finished his tight end five, 67 receptions, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. Dennis said he looks poised to lead the Lions in targets and receptions. He is in the second tier of tight ends for him with Andrews and Pitts. Is that true for you as well?
2: Yeah, I'm at four, um, just behind uh, Kelsey Waller-Kill. He is in that kind of second group for me. Um, I, I agree. I think he ends up probably – they're going to have to throw to someone, and we don't think they're going to be great, so they're probably going to have to throw. I think he and Swift can both be top, you know, top options at their position, especially with no real wide receiver competition.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you guys. He's my tight end four as well. You know, it's funny because Dennis mentioned, I think, earlier that, you know, Goff doesn't really do well throwing down the field. And I actually think the Lions did a good job building around what Goff does well, and that's throwing to the short intermediate area, adding Amon Ross St. Brown into the slot, and then you have Hawkinson and Swift. So he's got three guys he can hit in the area he's comfortable with, and all three of those guys can do dangerous stuff after the catch. So, you know, that's I, I why the signing be, of
2: Williams and Perriman yeah. didn't make very much sense because those guys feel like bombers.
1: Exactly. though. But that's the thing. They, they stretch the field for you. They just go and then it's just dun deep. Dun, 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 Duncan, whatever. Duncan. Yeah. Duncan Donuts. Exactly. Ding, you ding, know, ding, dunk. Dunk. there we go. I could. All I was thinking of was Duncan Duncan. I don't know why I could not get the Duncan out of my head. All right, so that will do it for the Detroit Lions. If you have not watched episode five of Loki, thank you so much for tuning in. Matt, myself, and Dennis will be back on Monday. We're going to be talking about the ASC North. We will be talking about two of the worst teams in the division in the Pittsburgh Squealers and the Ratbirds. So come back on Monday. Join us. If you guys have watched Loki episode five and you want to stay and hear what Matt and myself think about episode four and five, then welcome back. Thanks for staying. So episode four, what did you think? And again, for those of you who may not have watched or, or may not know, because we are, we were a week behind. We did not get a chance to watch episode four before we recorded last Thursday. So just to catch everybody up, episode boy, did four we was next. Yeah. Yes, we did. Uh, episode four was Nexus event. Um, just kind of like a, a quick recap. There's at the beginning of the episode. They're sitting on the planet that's about to be destroyed by the apocalypse. They're rescued a whole bunch of stuff that we're now about to talk about. So if you're, you know, if you guys are remembering obviously what happened yesterday where they end up in the void because of episode five, we'll get to that in a minute. Right now we're going to talk about episode four. So what did you think about episode four?
2: Yeah. So I think my tweet uh, that that you and I exchanged on (laughs) summed it up the best. We had a whole bunch of theories after watching the first three episodes that all turned out to be complete crap, uh, kind of thrown out the window uh, they get pulled back. Um, you know, they kill. Who we were. T- I was talking about. This seemed like a great setup for potentially an ongoing series. It is not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like they were trying to indicate that there were that you know uh, Sylvie was an aberration. There are no other Loki variants. Untrue. Mm-hmm. It's see. I was like, he and Mobius have great chemistry. It's going to be all about them. They appeared to kill Mobius like right right in the first half yeah. of the episode. I was like, oh shit. And they they get to meet the Time Lords, who turn out to be robots that have no sentience. Uh, It was incredible. If they had not given you the mid credit scene for episode four, I think people would have lost their shit. Because basically, the the crux of the episode ends with it appearing that they killed Loki. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, maybe Hiddleston said I'll do the show, but I want out of the MCU. Are they transitioning and then you get that kind of credit sequence that sets up what's going but I was like I the last two episodes are going to be rough the two main characters they built the show around the two biggest stars just got ganked in this episode I don't know how you felt but I was like sitting there going oh my god
1: I mean, my – it's funny because I did not – so I didn't – you know that I try to, like, avoid social media stuff when it comes to this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I don't even watch more than one trailer. Like, I just watched the – which we can talk about. The, I watched the What If trailer, which looks phenomenal, oh, by the way. Did you watch I it? I have not yet. No, oh, I, I got – so
2: uh, were you a Ted Lasso fan?
1: I love Ted Lasso. Yes, yes. I
2: may or may not have gotten approved uh, for advanced episodes, and six of them became a, available a, to me today. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. I'm, I'm gonna to start me. recapping them. Uh, but I did not watch the trailer because I was fawning over
1: my other options. I love Ted Lasso. Uh, I, my wife like she liked it, but didn't love it. I year. I loved it. And maybe it's because like I love soccer so much as well. So like just seeing him go over there, whoops, I just knocked something over, and not know, but like the way, he's just so lovely. I, I love the whole show in general. I, anybody who asks me, it's like, what's the new show? Like, have you watched Ted Lasso? You should watch it. It's really good. So yeah, well, like-
2: we have this sweet spot between the end of Loki and when What If picks up at the end of August that yeah. we can turn this over to being an Apple TV Plus Ted Lasso recap podcast. And that actually ties better back to football because yeah, he's a does. football coach who's gone to coach
1: football in England. But uh, yeah, I, so I, my wife had seen um, the Mobius scene, or she did not see that he died, but she saw the thing where he he gives his line. Um, what was it? it? Was like you know where I would go if I had one shot or whatever it is. If I could pick one yeah. place to go, whatever the line is. And then she said like people were posting like crying memes underneath this. She, she's like she figured he died. That got me a little bit because I was like man, like he did such a turn and he was like he you could see he's like for the first time it feels like in all of mcu since since like the end really like the last couple movies where loki and thor it seemed like really kind of bonded loki had somebody that he really trusts and then he's just dead like that and you're just like oh my god why and so i was with you the whole time and then he's about to
2: confess his love
1: yeah it's essentially
2: himself which let's that makes really perfect sense it's, though for, for being sort of honest. like the uh, the Cersei and um
1: Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah
2: story, story like but, but
1: uh, I, when so yeah same thing happened to him and I thought the same thing, but I, I wasn't as pissed about it when that happened because I did think okay, maybe they're trying to set up Sylvie as Loki now moving forward, and then obviously you get the end credit CNC, he's still alive, which I'm cool with. I, I like I said, we've talked about it multiple times as Recapping the series, I think he's like one of the perfect casted people. And they really do a good job casting everybody, but I've I've loved him as Loki. You know, we talked say,
2: yeah. when we get to the what if. We know yes. that the 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 first or second episode is the last thing Chadwick Bozeman ever so recorded. He he's gonna get is, so dusty.
1: He is in part of the trailer. Uh, it's very oh, yeah. interesting. I wish I wish you could watch it because like I want to oh, talk about I, it.
2: I, I'll watch the trailer. I, I saw clips out of it. I saw the yeah. some of the, the clips. I just haven't gone to watch the full thing. I'm not emotionally prepared yet.
1: And that's... So you don't get enough of, of Chadwick to get emotional. I can probably, he's only in, like... They do some stuff, and I'm just... Oh, I don't want to ruin it, so I, I won't say. I, I have a I have a weird... Theory with the way that they set that up. So because I don't know how well how much they're going to get. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's finish Loki yeah. and then I'll bring that up. So uh, the one thing that I thought was very interesting, I sent it to you, was when they were sitting on the planet. I can't remember what the name of the planet is in episode four, where mm-hmm. the the events about yeah, to happen. I the know. apocalypse is about to happen, and you see Mobius is there with Hunter B twenty, and he says it's causing a nexus event. Which is not supposed to happen, right? You're not supposed to have Lamentus. you're not supposed to have an excess event when a, when there's a full apocalypse when everybody dies, and you can see those two holding each other's hands, looking like they're about to kiss or whatever. It branches off all these different theories, and I sent you the picture mm-hmm. because there's two very interesting planets. On that picture, and I was trying to bring it up really quick because I can't remember where. I know I saved it in my photos. At least I think I did. I did not. So let me just go to the text message thread I have with you here because I'll be able to find it quicker. Well, while you're
2: looking for that Scott here Fishbowl update, somebody must have been listening to us because our Smith was taken right, after, fixed, right after we started
1: talking. All right, so the two very interesting... Planets that are evolved and it now looks like are breaking off the timeline is voromir on April twenty third, twenty three oh one. A lot of people are are bringing out a fear that maybe Black Widow has now been brought back or something like that. I I don't know about that because that feels way too like late in the timeline. Twenty three oh one, like the end of Endgame. They're in twenty thirty or forty at that point. It's like ten years after the after the blip, so. It's
2: five years after the blitz. Five,
1: Okay, five years. So you're talking about like 2025 or something like that. Like it's yeah, not probably. a, it's not 2301, not 300 years well, in the future. I'd so. be a
2: little bit surprised. We get to see it obviously this weekend, but my yeah. understanding is the events of the movie Black Widow take place between Captain America yes. Civil War and right. Infinity War, and it's about passing the torch.
1: Yeah. Because uh, they have already kind
2: of yeah. set up who – who would be taking over for Iron Man. seems like they're taking... I I wouldn't be surprised if Scarlett Johansson is ready to be done. She was actually one of the first uh, yep. people introduced in the MCU. She gets introduced in Iron Man 2 in 2010. Yeah. It's been 11 years.
1: Yeah. And then the other interesting one, and this one is interesting because of the date, and that is Asgard... February 16th, 2004. So mm-hmm. that is in the middle of everything going on with Marvel. Obviously we don't know what that means. I, I just imagine they don't put that in there for no reason. So, but is it just to kind of throw fans off? If you guys watch the interview, Kevin Feige gave recent, I think it was at like a black widow press event. Like they talk about, they do stuff like that to kind of, because they love seeing what fans do and say. And, and, and then he's like, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. The very interesting to see all that is. I did love that he quoted, um, I don't remember his name, the gentleman who plays Doc Ock in the Tobey Maguire movies. Alfred Molina. Made it, it made it sound like he may be in the new Spider-Man. And I love Alfred Molina. He, he Nailed it. I did not uh, know and that. So.
2: We, are, we already know Tobey Maguire and yeah. um, what's-his-face are going to be in the new yeah. Spider-Man movie too. Andrew Garfield. Yes. I did not know My, that Andrew Molina was, was in I assume... Of- my but wife asked me though. if I wanted to buy the Amazing Spider-Man. I did not.
1: Huh. Which one's Amazing Spider-Man? Is that the the Garfield movies. I actually like the Andrew Garfield. I didn't think they were horrible. I mean, I'm, i I love. Why can I not think of his name? Tom Holland. I love Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom I, I Holland. think he's the best. But I and maybe it's just because of how bad Spider-Man 3 was. But I think like I tend to lean now toward Andrew Garfield, the second over Tobey Maguire, because the first one was amazing. And I love the second one, though, with because I I thought Alfred Molina like nailed Doc Ock. Great job in that role, like the movie all around. And then three had to just come in and like completely kill like the whole franchise for him. So
2: Three is kind of a curious study too because I don't know if you know it was originally supposed to be two separate movies and then yeah. they they jammed it together and I so to think one, That's yeah. why
1: it doesn't work. I agree. We keep getting off topic though, so I I, I do want to finish it's all, talking about it's Lo- all in the everybody's like everybody's but like. Did, to wait, go back. Is to this it, a Marvel it, podcast I, now. I
2: am a hundred percent sure now, um, despite the fact we haven't seen the finale, that Loki is setting up the branching timelines to go to oh yeah, to yeah. the Doctor... Because we know Doctor Strange uh, univ- uh, Universe of Madness... Multi- multiverse, of multiverse of Madness, of Madness is going to be the next um, one that Marvel's solely doing, because the Spider-Man yeah. ones are co-productions with Sony. And we know that they're introver- introducing this multiverse thing. Seeing the way it branched off, even if they don't go to those specific places, I'm pretty sure what they're doing now at the end of what they're calling at the end of time, wherever they're going is going to spark something.
1: I agree. And I think what if is also setting that up as well, without giving too much away from, from the trailer. And from what I saw, it very much looks like it's leading you perfectly into what is coming, which again, we've known if, if you were with us when we talked about WandaVision, you know, we, we've talked about how these have gone a little bit out of order, unfortunately, because of COVID Mm -hmm. And WandaVision was supposed to set you up with the Multiverse of Madness. And you you see that she hears her kids, which which you assume are calling from a different multiverse. She is a main part of Doctor Strange's movie Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, But yeah, so overall, getting back to the end of 4, though, I'm with you. It kind of killed all of our theories. Then Episode 5 comes, and I was very excited to see it because... Starts off with obviously Loki's there with a bunch of other Lokis, and you find out that they've all been killed different ways too. Like it's very interesting hearing why each one of them got sent, uh, or each why each one of them got uh, Got pruned, pruned, yeah, pruned, and ended up in the void. Uh, You, it looks like Sylvie is going to be working with um, the Chiku. I think it's somewhat behind almost all of this with the TVA. That ends up not happening. She prunes herself, ends up in the void um overall i don't think if i'm being honest who do you think
2: is running the TVA? i have a strong feeling after the fifth episode i think it's that lady you think it is her yes because i don't think any of the reality of who the TVA people or she she took the whole robot or overlord thing too much in stride i think she's been pulling the strings
1: so I think she knows. I don't think she's running it though. I, I, it's hard for me to think that she's running it. I could be wrong. I, I feel like there's somebody else behind the scenes doing it, but she's helping. Like I, I think she knows everything the whole time. Like she doesn't seem shocked about any of it. Like you would think if she really believed that those were the timekeepers and everything. When the dude gets his head cut off by Sylvie and you find out it's a robot, you would think she'd be just as shocked as like when Mobius was when he finally or realized he's been like
2: conscience, to. you know. A yeah, like of, like
1: Mobius. Like when he finds out purpose? everything's a lie, he starts you see a complete return face of character, return face character. So I, I do think she's in on it. I don't know if she's controlling that's what I was gonna say. The one thing i and I understand because again, it's only six episodes. This really felt like a setting up episode. There wasn't really a lot to go on. It was very interesting with all the Lokis in the Void. That was kind of a fun little scene. Which,
2: which was your favorite Loki?
1: Um, honestly, probably just Loki. Like I did like the one guy who showed up. Uh, it was like obviously um, Tom Hiddleston's other Loki that was there, and like the, when he screams because his hand gets bitten off, and the whole fight scene. Like I thought it was very interesting, but. I don't know. I liked, I liked Mobius coming back. That was honestly the, like when I saw the car coming, I was yeah. like, he's back baby. Like, yes. Cause I really did not want him to die like that. And I I'm like, very, his,
2: he really shouldn't get into cars with strangers. With strangers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I loved that whole thing. I'm very interested to see what happens with him now and going back to the TVA. And as he, as he puts it, he's going to burn it to the ground. So I'm very interested to see what that doesn't, you know is is he someone that maybe is setting up to be a character further on in the universe i'm interested to see that and then obviously at the end of the episode we see them enchant the alkeon or i can't remember how to say the name of the the big monster yeah. clown there and looks like they they found a way to get to whomever either the timekeepers are or whoever's controlling everything leading up to the finale I cannot wait. I am really hoping I get a chance to watch this Wednesday or Thursday. Like we talked about before air, I might have to get up at two o'clock in the morning just to make sure that I watch it so we can talk about it next week, but overall still really fun episode. I love the way that him and Sylvie are coming together. And again, what they're doing with Mobius overall, I think it's been really good. I almost, depending on how this finale goes, it might jump. Um, it might jump Scarlet Witch for me. and and. I I did not think that coming into this, but it's been really good. They've kept us on our toes the entire time. It's just like when we talked about Scarlet, everything kept changing in ways we did not expect it to happen. And I've really enjoyed it. But what were your thoughts about episode five? And what do you think we're leading to in episode six?
2: So I thought Richard Grant, who is the one that played the older, um, Loki that kind of sacrificed himself. He was really great. My favorite other Loki, um, was alligator Loki <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cr- crack me up. And then um, my, my friend pointed out that you see a, um, a shot of uh, frog Thor in there. Ooh, I did not see that. I yeah, I did not uh, notice it so right I, away. Either, I understand so. your
1: joke now. I was trying to figure out what your joke was. Yeah, I did not notice that. I'll have to go back and watch it. Now that me and my wife watch it, I and go now back I, back I and looked it, it up, so. and
2: apparently there is Frog Thor in the comics, and there is like a throwaway. This people captured a throwaway still of him being in there somewhere, uh, but I liked the. The gathering of Loki's, uh, there was the you're right. The emotional high of that episode is when um, Mobius goes and grabs Sylvie and saves her, uh, and then just right away that deadpan kind of humor. I loved that joke of you shouldn't get in car with strangers, um, and I like the the climax at the end, seeing them come together. Um, it's as people point out, it would be like the weirdest and most inappropriate love story, but also you can't help but root for those two uh you know well, yeah, crazy it's, kids
1: it's on brand though right like loki has always been and imobius i think even says it in either the last episode in episode 4 and episode 3 where he's like only you would fall in love with yourself like it's just it's very on brand for loki which is another reason why i just love it like it's perfect it's i really love what they've done with the show but sorry continue
2: No, and that was pretty much it for i'm looking forward to the finale Uh, Aside from being from my conviction that it's going to branch the timelines, I have no idea what to expect. And it I don't think we are going to get I had wondered earlier if we were going to get another character out of the MCU to kind of cross over. We haven't seen it. I now I'm not thinking that's going to happen. I think they have too much to accomplish unless they're going to have like a two hour finale.
1: I agree with you. And another reason why I don't think we're going to see another character is it leads to what I was mentioning earlier. I think we're going to get that out of what if, if if this is a massive part of the MCU canon, which I think it is based on the trailer. I I think that they're going to do something, which I would, I've honestly kind of secretly hoped and I don't want to ruin anything. So I won't say here. We'll talk about it after we can text about it after you watch the trailer because I don't want to ruin anything or for anybody else who hasn't watched it, but There's something I've said – well, if you don't – I've secretly hoped that they would find a way to bring back Michael B. Jordan to be Black Panther after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, unfortunately.
2: And I saw that part. You're talking about where he rescues Tony Stark.
1: So there's – he's in this a lot, though, and I'm wondering Mm – and they set it up as he's almost a a good guy in this alternate universe because they do set up a lot of Doctor Strange stuff as well, which is another reason why I think it's leading toward the the multiverse as well. I'm wondering uh-huh. if maybe that's their way of, of bringing it back. I they've think that would talked
2: be... about that. They've rewritten the script for black Panther two, five times, yeah. which tells you they're, they're really working hard to honor Chadwick yeah. Boseman. while figuring out a real way forward and finding a way to use an alternate timeline flip of fundamentally who black Panther is would yeah. be the kind kindest and way to do it.
1: And, and I, I think that would be a, good way to do it as well because it could be something where i mean because we know he was part of it's not he's not replacing black panther right like if they were to just like say michael yeah. b jordan was never in the movies it's just like hey he's a new black panther the fact that he's killmonger you know that he is obviously related to t'challa in the first movie and then in this alternate universe he is a good guy which you do kind of see in the what if movie i think it's a perfect way to do it while also honoring chadwick Bozeman. it's definitely something very hard to do I, you know, again, he's one of those guys that was like perfectly cast as that character. Black Panther was one of the better MCU movies altogether. And then obviously the horrible, tragic passing of him makes it hard to kind of move on from. I don't want to compare it to this uh, because obviously two completely different characters, but. For me, it's a lot like Heath Ledger and the Joker. Like it's just one of those things. that It's very hard to recast it because of how good he was in that role. And same thing with Chad Chadwick Boseman. So, and, and both very like just untimely, unfortunate, tragic passings for both of them. Completely different things, but still the the tragic passing. So I, I do think it's a hard thing. I think they do a good job of making it look like that's what they could do with the what if trailer. So I'm very excited about that because I also think Michael B. Jordan is just a phenomenal actor. So if they can find a way to make that work, I think it'd be great. Uh, but yes, I'm with you. I, I think this is clearly leading toward that, the the multiverse happening. And they've also hinted at that. Like, again, I, because I'm such a massive Owen Wilson fan, like, I really pay attention when he's on screen. And he's kind of hinted at that multiple times. He said to Loki in the last episode, whatever's going on between you could fracture the timeline. It could cause all all sorts of chaos. And I think they've slowly been hinting at whatever's going on between these two is going to cause like a massive thing in the MCU. So I'm excited about it. I do think it's going to lead to, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. Um, and now I did not realize that this was a movie coming out and that's Ironheart. I just saw that the other it's day. It's a
2: show. I believe they're making. Oh, okay. A it's show.
1: a show. Uh, that is for those of you who don't follow in the comics, the female, she takes over the mantle as Iron Man in the comics not an alternate universe she just ends up taking over for tony stark a young um a black young black female in the comic books and i'm really excited to see if they do that with the alternate timeline and, and figure out a way to bring her in because i did not realize that was a show coming down the pipe so really yeah. interested for that because i think she's and a they've, very they've already character. cast
2: uh, yeah. the young girl who's going to play that so i would not be surprised to see her appear it seems like they would use some kind of existing property to launch some of these characters before they drop them into a ship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. So I am I'm excited because she is a very intriguing character in the comic books. And I think it'd be a, a really good follow-up. that like we talked about a couple episodes ago. I think with this, they give themselves the opportunity to really kind of bring back some characters. And I think, you're not going to bring back Robert Downey Jr., but bringing Ironheart, who again, I think is a really intriguing character in the comic books could make things really interesting for just like the Marvel canon overall. So I'm excited. I I wished it was like a Friday episode, like everything else. So it would be here tomorrow. We got to wait one more week, but I said, I'm, I don't want to curse it, but like I don't see how they gonna how they could mess this up. I, I think every episode has been really well done. I've really enjoyed it. De- like I so said, depending on how the finale goes, it could jump uh, Scarlet Witch for me, and that's that's saying yeah. something because that was by far one of not even just the best shows, but I think overall like Marvel properties that's been done in quite a little while. So Loki's been a massive hit for me. I'm excited about it. Anything else you want to add before we 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 close it out here?
2: Yeah. Then if you end up seeing a Black Widow this weekend, we can talk about I that. I
1: probably will because it's coming out on Disney Plus 2. I don't have time to go to the movie theaters, but we will you probably have, you just buy You do have to it. buy it on to- yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't yeah. care. I mean, my wife maybe buy Not- Cruella last weekend. I can force her to buy Black Widow so we can watch that. So. <laughs>
2: Cruella wasn't
1: bad. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. She She's a big fan of like cruella maleficent and some of the other like disney women yeah. villains so she was like i want to watch it." it's like okay I, it's 12 o'clock i'm going to bed but you can watch it so you know so she got cruella i can get black widow this weekend because yeah i've just got way too much yeah it's
2: it's just exciting that we have all these uh marvel and black yeah. widow kicks off that we're gonna have four uh mcu movies between now and the end of the year
1: it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of a lot of time to try and figure that out as we get later in the year to mix in with football somehow. But you know, those Thursday episodes are usually lacking yeah. for content outside of the Thursday night game, so we'll we'll probably talk a little bit about them on there. But everybody enjoy Black Widow if you guys get a chance to watch it. We will not be talking about it on Monday because Dennis does not care about these, but we will definitely <laughs> discuss it a little bit, probably on Thursday with.
2: Hopefully, we'll oh, keep oh, it. we're
1: gonna be. We've got a lot of Browns. The Bengals are not a great team, so maybe we'll be able to fly through the Bengals, spend a decent amount of time on the Browns next Thursday, and then it'll be all low-key finale and hopefully Black Widow. But until then, if you're a big soccer fan like myself, enjoy the Euro final on Sunday. Have a good weekend. Matt, myself, and Dennis will be back on Monday talking the AFC North Pittsburgh, Squealers, and the Ratbirds.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn. I came out the line he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die late. Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I
2: can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> not